0: It is Friday, April 13th, 2018. My name's Anthony, and I'm here with Michael. This is Time Lapse, the podcast where cars and watches are the focus, but tangents are often the reality. Let's get into it. Good afternoon, Michael. Good afternoon, Anthony. It is the afternoon, isn't it?
1: We've been doing a lot of Friday episodes. Yeah, yeah. This is this is There's our second f-
0: Friday episode. Third. Third? Wow. Yes, sir. Wow. And also, we're in a different location today.
1: Yeah, so if you
0: hear some humming in the background. It's uh, actually Mikey's uh, freezer. Yep. Yeah, we're inside of uh, Michael's house. My meat closet. Yeah. <laughs> is that what you call your freezer? <laughs> nice. <laughs> no, we're uh um, in a place of living, and why did we have to come to your to your residence today? I honestly don't know. I was home early. Oh well, no, and I was ice say, storm. There's also a massive ice storm hitting the the yeah. eastern eastern the seaboard. Uh, yeah, yeah. So a big ice storm, crazy freaking weather going on uh, over here. We talk about the weather a lot, but it's important that we talk about the weather because I think a lot of our viewers outside of Canada won't understand that we don't get normal weather especially uh, with, as of late yeah as uh, it's all over the map and and you know what i've noticed a lot of people are getting sick because of it you walk outside mm-hmm. one day in a winter yeah. jacket you're too hot so then you put your winter jacket away and come outside the next day in like a sweater and then you're freezing cold you get sick right Is that how you get sick that's how i get sick yeah it's pretty mm. pretty basic stuff but let's move on let's uh let's let's get right into it. um we got a pretty exciting week uh so far um, it actually probably started last Sunday with the Formula One race. Mm-hmm. Some interesting stuff uh, came out of it. Of course, the biggest news, even if you're not in, uh, not not in a, into Formula One, like I'm not a huge Formula One uh-huh. uh, fan. Uh-huh. Like I, uh-huh. I like the sport, but I don't follow it uh, deeply. But it's e- a hard sport to follow.
1: Yeah, given the times of day that they're. Like, of like, course, I think tomorrow's race here is I think at two a.m. Oh wow! And like, ooh, well, tomorrow would be practice like practice 1 was uh, last night at 10 wow and then at 2 a.m. and then well it's, it's China it's yeah. China this so week it's right? a big yeah. time change yeah and, exactly and 98% of the um races are in Europe so it's all big time differences Exactly. Sometimes we're lucky. It's early mornings, but.
0: Yeah. It's a lot different than, than watching the, like, the NHL playoffs that are going on right now. Right? Like, I'm not even a huge yeah, Leafs fan. Yeah, those Toronto Maple Leafs, they did well. You know what? Just let's give them a break, and, and
1: we're going to have a really exciting series out of us. But this is not a sports podcast, so. Yeah, go listen to uh, Six Man Sports if you're interested. <laughs> Who, who's Six Man Sports? Uh, a fellow named uh, Joseph
0: Scazzari. Oh, yeah. We went to high school with him. Uh, but there's a lot of fantastic uh, sports podcasts out there. Uh, shout out to uh Italian football daily, good friend of mine, Joe Sorocco If you guys yeah, if you're into like
1: to- the Toronto Argonauts, <laughs> the Hamilton Tiger Cats, they're all football teams from the Toronto area. What are you what are you talking about right now? I'm talking about
0: Italian football daily, my friend. Oh anyway, Italian foot Yeah.
1: Didn't one of our gym teachers go play football in Italy?
0: Yes, that was um okay, no, that's American football. Anyway, I'm trying to can you, can you let me give my friend a shout out <laughs> on our podcast? My God, Italian Football Daily, good friend of mine, Joe hosts it. They're on iTunes, and uh, if you are into like Serie A soccer, it is a uh, it's a they're a fantastic source. Uh, myself, not uh, into soccer that much, especially uh, European football, but um, but uh, honestly, even not being a fan of the sport, you can really get into it. They're uh, some really passionate guys over there, but uh, yeah, back to uh, Formula One. Even if you're not a huge fan, you definitely would have heard or seen on Facebook or Instagram the video of Kimmy. Well, before we start, Vettel one Damn you. Yeah, I know. A lot of people on? upset about that. But uh, Kimmy Raikkonen leaving the pits. Uh, yep. He left a little bit ahead of his pit crew. Well, I wouldn't... That, that kind
1: of puts him to the blame. He was let go you're earlier right. than what he should have been.
0: Yeah. If you see the video, um, obviously... Uh, Formula One pit stops are like they're seconds. It's crazy. Yeah, milliseconds. It, it's, it's almost as fast happen. as I change my tires on the S five. It really that's mm-hmm. that's impressive. I've never it's seen you all at one tool. But anyway, uh, <laughs> so yeah, if you, I mean, everyone knows like the their pit stops are ridiculous. Yep. Um, but if you watch the video, it looked it looked as if uh, while the other three tires were coming off, normally the rear r- left side tire was a little bit jammed on. So one of the crew must have dropped the ball and and put down the flag or raised the hand, whatever. Their, yeah, they their he dropped the popsicle
1: is. stick a little
0: too early. Yeah, definitely. And uh, Kimmy took off, and it really shows the acceleration uh, that these cars are capable of out of the pits. Yep. Because he that that big fat rear tire ended up pulling in one of his one of his pit crew and yeah, breaking was, his femur.
1: Yeah, it was it was the guy that. Um, I believe throws it was the, the tire guy that yeah that he's a tire thrower. Yeah, he like to so he, whip the tire across and throw in the new tire. I
0: yeah, know. I think his his sole job is to catch the old like catch the old tire as soon as the guy unbolts it and he just throws it. I don't think yeah. he even gives the old no, okay. the new one. Like they have one guy for every little thing. Yeah. But yeah, pretty gross. Uh the tire that he was responsible for taking off remained on the car. I guess it was it was mm-hmm. seized on its for something. And uh right when uh Kimmy put the hammer down broke the guy's femur disgusting just watching I actually his didn't leg you just see his leg like snap yeah. and then he flies. like it flings him out of the camera basically um but they did post a picture of him on, on, him on yeah, instagram he is good. recovering uh he has a cast from the tip of his toe to his crotch area so that's bound to be a little uncomfortable uh but uh yeah that was that, that was some exciting news from uh last week's race there's not there's mishaps that happen in the pits but there's not often like, you know, really crazy things. I think the last thing didn't Ricardo's car catch fire once?
1: When? Daniel. No, I, I this recall. was probably a couple of years ago. I remember Daniel Ricardo having trouble in the pits. I think I think Rick reckon did this thing type same type of thing once before. Yeah. Or I mean, he didn't do it, it happened. Yeah. I, I can I can definitely see that. Um So they're they're actually reviewing um how they can avoid this and and um what was it? Was it getting rid of Certain people that do certain things in the pits, yeah, that would definitely help. Yeah, yeah, but like, I don't know, what are they gonna do? Like in NASCAR, throw helmets on the people. You still well, need them. Yeah, yeah. Or form like Formula E, just jump into a whole new car. Have you ever seen that? <laughs> no, it's that pretty. Is, it's pretty, it's pretty, pretty cool. We, in, instead of switching the car out, they 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 you can't charge a battery, right? Yeah, yeah. So you, you, instead of um switching the charging driver. or whatever, they yeah. just instead of switching the uh, a loud car. Yeah. Um, they just jump into a whole new car Oh yeah. And the thing with um, F1 is There's actually a rule that In order to qualify to be a race car driver In F1 you have to be able to get in and out of the car Within 10 seconds hmm. And this new Halo system They can't get in and out within 10 seconds anymore well, yeah. Now they they can't just they
0: have to they climb over these bars. Yeah, exactly. So it's
1: actually more than ten seconds that it takes them to get in. So it's kind of interesting. They're contradicting themselves there. Hmm. But um, yeah, they wouldn't be able to. Well, hop driver into a safety. The car.
0: Driver safety goes beyond tradition, I think. Right. See,
1: so wh- why didn't Formula E get the halo? Uh,
0: maybe less mechanical parts that can that can come off. Uh, speeds less. I I, I, don't, I honestly don't know. Uh, but at the end of the day, it's a different governing body. So right. the people who made that decision just aren't making those calls in Formula E for whatever reason. Sure. Yeah, and maybe aerodynamics play a bit bigger uh, part in Formula cool E if you watch it. I I honestly haven't. I've seen clips on yeah. YouTube and it's interesting. Um, but uh, aside from aside from what happened to uh, to Kimi, I did want to speak about uh, Honda in yes. uh, in Toro Rosso doing pretty well mm-hmm. um and a lot of the guys i work with are are big f1 uh fans and uh, talking to hondis, them Hondies, hondis well they're not even not even honda fanboys honestly one's a mazda fanboy there's a fiat fanboy you guys know who, who you are uh and uh mazda yeah all right And a weird one right um but anyway sky active one one thing oh, that yeah. uh, a good friend of mine at work said is is it really doesn't come down to the driver so much as the car uh in 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 the case of uh what's his name? uh Antonio Dra- Rosso? Yeah. Pierre Gasly. Pierre Gasly. So had the car not performed so well, Pierre Gasly probably would not have have been in the top like he came in 5th. Uh that right? I think it was 5th, yeah. yeah. Um so that's that's just a, a testament to the fact that Honda and McLaren didn't work well together, but
1: Yeah, and we talked about that a yeah. couple weeks back. Yeah, I think you you said that uh, McLaren was saying they have the greatest chassis in all of England, and um, they were blaming their engine from Honda. Yeah, well, obviously. Well, well, yeah, of course. The, the, the point two fingers. just couldn't work together.
0: Yeah, I think sense. that's really what it was. Uh, but McLaren, I think, is still having trouble
1: with uh, with their car. Yeah, Alonso doing better. Yeah, um, but. It's not to like his expected... He's he's a little bit of a whiny baby. Even last year, where he was complaining, he's like, "I'm not going to race for you guys anymore." Yeah, until and Honda leaves. Exactly, and like, well, please, it's yeah. a team sport. Exactly, right. yeah. you you're you're hired by the team, play for the team. If not, get lost. Yeah, uh,
0: and uh, and also there there was a, his there was a quote from him trending. Uh, after Honda left, uh, he, he was quoted saying that now McLaren can fight. Now we can fight. Now Sorry. we can compete.
1: Yeah, this is what I thought. Uh, Pierre Gasly came in fourth. Fourth. Oh, he yeah, better. Yeah. Huh. Um, and where did Alonso come in? Seventh.
0: Ooh, oh, boy. Uh,
1: it's still better than he was doing last year. Well, yeah. I think Due to, up, up, up to this date, with, like three races, in, I think it might have even been the first two races in, mm-hmm. he had just as many points as he did the whole season last year. Yeah. So, Alonso's definitely doing better with uh, the new Renault, but what are you going to do? Well, yeah, l- less problems with the car. Um, but, uh,
0: yeah, I mean, again, he was quoted saying, now we can fight, and a lot of people were blowing that up in his face now because, well, you're fighting, but the engine that you were blaming last season is now doing better yeah. uh, in a different car. So I mean I'm good for Honda. This comes from Honda fanboy, but I'll take my fanboyism out of it. Uh, No, it's good to see a young team do well like that. And for Toro Rosso and their drivers, like it's it's changing things up. That's what we Mm -hmm. want to see.
1: McLaren's been around for so long that they have no excuse. Yeah. Um, Toro Rosso is a newer team. Mm -hmm. Well, younger, definitely younger. Um, So it's good to see them do well for sure. Um, And I'm excited for what they're gonna uh, bring forward this season. Hopefully they can. Yeah. Well, hopefully Red Bull starts doing something. Well. Yeah. Um, Verstappen, obviously, just shit in the bed. Yeah, big time. But uh, he's a little too aggressive sometimes. <laughs> he's young. Yeah. So he's a little bit... Seaten. How old is he? Uh, he might be Early 20 now. Oh, wow. Like when he started, he was, I think, 17. Jeez. Because what they did was they picked him up from go-karting, mm-hmm. and they said, we're going to put you in one year in cars, and then you're coming to F1. Wow. So they, they picked him up right from go-karts, and um, they basically forced him. He had he had to have some car experience. He couldn't just go from go karts to F one. No, well, of course uh, not. So his his dad was um in F one as well. Huh. So you get that as well. Interesting, interesting. Um, and then our buddy Lewis Hamilton can't win a race. What are well, you going to do? Well,
0: you just uh, filled me in on on why he can't win a race, and I and I don't really agree well, it, with it, how
1: he lost. Uh, but even besides that, he's just not really a team player. When stuff goes wrong, he kind of he's very like it's a whiny wh- baby. <laughs> no, he's very Hollywood. Let's yeah. say that. Yeah. Um Verstappen um, Vettel's there to win races. Well, he and that goes to show Ferrari's a, a, their team is very good Yeah, and they all work very well together and that's why they win races. Hamilton though I think occupies a space that
0: needs to be occupied. You have to have that party party boy or you know like Yeah, yes, so that he's getting old Hollywood. I think
1: he's the second or third oldest out of all the races. He's race, got to be in his, his right late 20s or early 30s at this point. I think early 30s. Oh yeah. Right, yeah. Let's see. Luis but
0: uh yeah he was bested by ferrari yeah, he's 33 oh he, wow 33 he's old yeah he's getting there he has a younger brother in rally
1: um, yeah he's he's coming on up
0: yeah um and so he was bested by ferrari yes uh in that trick with the okay uh, so this the is the way i understood
1: it yeah There was a virtual safety car, and it essentially works the same way as a safety car. Mm -hmm. Um, It's funny, actually. Nico Rosberg released a video of him trying to explain this, and he was kind of still not understanding why it happened. Um, So I'll do my best to to explain it. Um, So there's a virtual safety car, and basically it works the same way as a safety car, except for the fact that all the cars don't get bunched up because there's no safety car. Mm -hmm. Um, Everyone virtually gets... Limited to their speed, and they all go around at the same rate all around the track. Um, and apparently, if you get into the pits from the portion of the track that goes from the track to the pits and out of the pits to the track, there's even though there's a virtual safety car, there's no limit to your speed. Hmm. So, what uh, Ferrari instructed Vettel to do was to pit, pick up all the speed you can through there. Mm-hmm. And then you'll end up out in front of Hamilton, which, which seems
0: insane to me. Which I, I could seems, be, I like could cheating. be
1: very wrong, but that's the way I understood it. Yeah,
0: I don't know. I I just I feel like, like that. that that doesn't come down to driver. But they you're took right. they took
1: advantage of some loophole in the virtual safety yeah. car rules and whatnot, and they they have tens of twenties of computers in the mm-hmm. back there doing running analytics the whole time. Yeah, to see where. Hamilton will be at what time and where Vettel will be at what time and yeah. then do their magic. But that, that's well, what sets Ferrari apart from Mercedes. Um, Mercedes does have a really good team, but Hamilton tends to not be able to work with them. Yeah, um, There's been many times where Hamilton's in the middle of a race and something goes wrong on his computer and he doesn't know how to fix it. Mm-hmm. And that just comes down to Lewis Hamilton being a diva. You <laughs> want to yeah. love him, but you can't. you
0: diva. Uh, but yeah, so, well, I mean, it's going to be an interesting season going forward to see, uh, how all these personalities interact and, yeah. and who comes, who comes out, uh, besting, but hopefully some of the smaller teams like Toro so do, uh, do keep putting their best foot forward and, and we'll see what happens. Mm-hmm. Um, but now why don't we move into more automotive related news? Uh, a couple of big reveals this past week important reveals because uh and domestic reveals too yeah all in in the same kind of category yeah and i and i i like domestic reviews because these are reveals sorry because they, they really hit home like we know we're going to be seeing these cars on our roads and they're designed for our roads specifically pothole riddled roads well yeah given our crazy weather it's difficult to maintain a nice smooth riding surface uh but something i'm really excited about and i think all of north america is excited about because it is a staple of american pride mm-hmm. the 2020 ford mustang shelby gt500 spy shots yes so what are spy shots mikey really well okay i'll just explain it well, I,
1: I, I can i can explain it but do yeah. you really need to explain it for the people well some people don't know what spy photos are They're cars in camo
0: exactly when when Obviously, uh, these massive uh, companies have to test cars before they put them out on the road. Yep. And they don't just bother you know, putting them in the old body and testing the chassis. They want to test everything. So they dress up these, uh, these new models in camouflage. Uh, it's always interesting seeing what they wrap the cars in. Um, and what we can see here is what looks to be the brand new GT500 wrapped in some camo. But you can basically tell everything that's going on in the car. Yeah, of course. Yeah, like it looks a lot like the GT350R, but with maybe some different front arrow. Uh, a Very big similar snake. though. Yeah, a big snake in the in the front grille. No, no no wing on the back. The
1: old GT500s had the snake in the grille, just not right. Not like yeah, that. it was it was
0: offset. Yep. Uh, but one thing that the GT500s and GT350R they're pretty bare of Ford badges. They've they've never really had four badges on the exterior. Yeah, they
1: try to set themselves apart. Yeah, I, I think SVTs like that in general, really. Yeah, yeah, they they tend not to. You know what? Although, well, the Raptor, the Raptor has a
0: giant. It just
1: says Ford, Ford. huge in the grill.
0: But again, that even that is it's different. away from the There's Ford no blue logo. Oval, yeah. yeah. Uh, but with with this spy photo, right? We know that this car is going to be coming out soon. Of course, it's it's set well, as a twenty twenty. So um, sometime some, some I... Ugh. sometime in 2019. Yeah. Well, I, yeah, I would say for the probably the first quarter of 2019 they'll be available for uh for like pre uh what do you call it for registering or being
1: yeah, put on Yeah, probably list. even before that for people that kind of have an in or yeah. previous yeah. uh SVT owners.
0: Oh yeah, but uh I mean, yeah, it's pretty subtle. Nothing nothing crazy. I mean, there's no big wings on this uh, so far. I I'm digging it. I'm digging how sleek the car looks. Uh you can see this massive bulge on the on the hood. Which is a big point of conversation for the car world because that means that it's likely that they're going to supercharge the 5.2 liter voodoo flat plane crank yeah V8. which we
1: actually spoke about
0: what, what they were going to do with this car. Exactly. We were we were sort of on the fence. we said either they're going to be predictable and put in another another version of a supercharged coyote, which they've done before they made that monstrous six. Point, or uh, five liter coyote uh, in the 2013 um Shelby GT500 mm-hmm. uh make I think 600 and something horsepower yep. which was impressive at the time uh and that was like the refreshed uh GT500 now I think and I hope that they're ditching the the forced induction Coyote for a forced induction Voodoo because I mean anyone who's followed Mustang for the last couple of years can agree that flat plane crank V8 it's phenomenal it sounds amazing it, it fits slimmer under the hood which allows the car to handle better it's just a better motor they they they've put all their money into into refining this and i think that given uh how special the demon is for dodge and how special the zl1 is for camaro yep. Ford needs to be special too and supercharging a coyote is just old news now supercharge the voodoo and you open the you open up your uh I think you're you have your own sound, you have your own and engine you, and you get to call it the predator, yeah, that's right. that's what they're calling uh the, predator. the supercharged voodoo um so yeah, I, I think it's it's like ninety five percent certain they're gonna put yeah this voodoo it, it's it's a
1: in. it's a leak, but yeah, apparently it's from a credible source credible source
0: it, it, they would be dumb not to. this is gonna be their most powerful uh yep. their most powerful production car ever obviously uh the gt five or sorry four gt GT. is not really a production car
1: yeah but it's not in the same like these are mass would you call it yeah it's mass oh yeah Yeah. definitely mass
0: produced um so yeah really impressive as far as the engine that's going to be put in this thing i think it's definitely going to compete with the likes of the hellcat not the demon really i guess the demons one on its own yeah it's a one-off for it has a very specific purpose uh, but definitely going to compete with that with iterations of the Hellcat, and uh, going to compete with the ZL1. I don't think there's anything higher than the ZL1 from Camaro,
1: right? That is the not as of year. Well, yeah. They, like they in the past they've had the Z28, which is the track like track focused. Yeah. yeah,
0: the Z28 was actually naturally aspirated. It was it was less mm-hmm. powerful than the ZL1, but faster around track a track. Yeah. because it was fettled with all these. Uh, right, it had been fettled, fettled. I just like that word fettled, fettled. Yeah. I'm getting kind of hungry now. I'm thinking of fettle anyway. Uh, (laughs) what are you shaking your head at, man? Drink your coffee, wake up a little bit. Um, so another thing they did that was kind of weird is they sort of shaved the sidewalls of the tires. So no one could read, I guess, sizing and you can, you can make out the Michelin logo. Uh, but the idea is that um, that these tires, they're shaving the sides because Ford is going to Michelin to make a bespoke tire for the GT500. Why else would you shave the sidewalls? What do you like? What would there be to hide? Someone could just guess that the, this would have the same tires as the previous GT500 mm-hmm. or the GT350R, maybe a little bit wider. Why else shave the sidewall? And uh, even the article from Motor Trend states, we saw uh, the hel- the Demon, sorry. Uh, and Dodge reach out to Nitto, the tire manufacturer, yes, to the, create bespoke tires. Yeah, I mean, when you have a powerful car, it it might be a good idea to get bespoke tires made by a brand to fit this vehicle better. I mean, th- that's enough. the last point of contact that the vehicle has of the road. And if you're pushing a lot of power, specifically just to the rear wheels, you're probably going to need the the tires to be to set properly, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so that's one another thing that's uh, speculated. That uh, these tires are going to be specific to the GT 500. Other than that, I don't, I don't really know uh, what else we can it's see. It's got the
1: dual uh, brake, um, dual rear brake calipers like the Ford GT. Oh, really? Uh, so that's something else. Hmm. And and that's another thing. Um, the Ford GT was released, so this will have hints and technologies from that. For sure, yeah. Uh, Ford's always been that way. They trickle
0: down their technology. They're pretty yep. good with that. I think a lot of people appreciate that too. When you feel like you're buying into the brand. And that's something that's really important for, for brands these days. I think if you're going to release a supercar, like Honda Honda missed that mark with the NSX. Mm-hmm. They they always say, like they, they said, the new RDX has NSX-inspired blah. It doesn't, though, right? But when you see race technology trickle down into your top cars and then slowly trickle down into your entry-level vehicles, which this would, on the grand scheme of things, would still be considered entry-level because mm-hmm. it's attainable, um, that, that's impressive. So, yeah, I'm looking at that picture right now, the dual brake calipers. I honestly don't know. Is that just for more braking in the rear? I always thought that that was like a separate handbrake for the rear. Honestly,
1: I don't know, yeah. Anthony.
0: Yeah. Uh, no word yet on what the transmission option will be for this car. No. I think they're going to stick with manual. Like, I know the ZL1 has the 10-speed now.
1: You don't think they'll offer it in 10-speed?
0: Because they, they sort of... They have it. Re- they have it, it all the
1: way through their their yeah. model range. So why wouldn't they? Whereas the Camaro doesn't. Yeah. But we'll get to that. Yeah. Um. They offer the the manual transmission and the ten speed mm-hmm. throughout everything, all the way from the EcoBoost to the. 350- I guess. Yeah. Is it, it Is it offered in the 350R? It I, no, be.
0: it does. It isn't. It is not. No, the 350R is still, uh, still manual. Okay. And you know what? I'm gonna say that they're not gonna offer it in this vehicle because of the name Shelby. And I don't want to say like oh Shelby's can't be automatic, but when you to Ford to the company at least in in the way that they market this vehicle, that is one of the things that they they hold true. The same way Honda does it with Type R, they do not offer them a manual because of the tradition, or sorry, they do not offer an automatic an automatic because of the tradition. They want it to be a driver's car. They want it to be connected and feel connected. So they only offer it a manual for a time that will work that will play to the collective conscience of of the buyers until you get to a point where you have to be competitive and you throw an, an automatic or some sort of sequential yeah. uh gearbox in i think that we're still a li- like a generation away from that i think this is still going to come out with with manual only, only the way ford's done it simply because of the name shelby being on the car yeah i can justify an automatic transmission in a gt But they couldn't justify it with the GT350R, and I don't think they're going to be able to justify it How about the
1: GT350? Same, just manual? Yeah,
0: yeah, just manual. You cannot get it. And again, the the GT350 still badges the Shelby. The R is obviously like the track-orientated version. And it'll be interesting to see if they carry on that R with the 500, GT500R. They had the KR back in the day for King Road. So that would be interesting to see. Um, But, yeah, beyond that, I think... Really, from this, from this, from these spy photos, the only other thing that is interesting is those quad exhausts look amazing. Yes, they're even bigger than what the GT350R has, and the rear diffuser in general looks really, really nice. Mm-hmm. So I'm excited for this car. I think this is going to be the most badass Mustang we've ever seen. I would hope. Yeah. Well, it has to, right? And uh, otherwise, in other Ford news, mm-hmm. what else did we see from Ford uh, this week, Mikey? Something very exciting. You don't look too excited. These if you own beautiful cars. If you own a rental car fleet, you should be excited. No, they're 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 pretty cool. No, I yeah, uh, we can't well, shit on the well, we're talking the about Focus. The,
1: the Ford Focus yeah. 2019. Pretty it's refresh. It it's uh, a whole new car. Yeah. It's a whole new, whole car. new car. I mean, from the engine
0: up, it, they they've totally redesigned it. It doesn't feel that long ago that the current model came out. Uh what no, 2012, 20 I uh, Does it though? Yeah. Yeah. I was enamored by the ST when it came out. Maybe that's why, because Maybe. that was only was I w- a long time. That ago. was like 2012 that I that I really started to like the ST because it was the only competitor to the Mazda Speed Three. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they
1: did a pretty good job. Shout out to our Skyactiv fans.
0: Yes, yeah, Skyactiv fans. <laughs> Are you talking about Victor? Victor is the Mazda fanboy. Oh, yeah. Oh. Um, so yeah, shout out to Victor. We're talking about Mazda too bad they don't have anything else going on right now other than the miata but um as far as the the focus like this generation focus this pre this current generation focus was in all essence similar to the fiesta a global car yes ford's been pushing for the global car that's why the new mustangs uh, in their four-cylinder variants are so popular because uh oh that's my phone going off on my laptop interesting strange I'm gonna mute that. Why do you have that connected to your laptop? I don't know. I don't even remember doing it. It's just Ooh, weird. Eight? Yeah, but I'll just mute it. Um. Anyway, the global, the whole idea of the global car uh, for Ford has been a big thing. Uh, they are a global brand. They sell cars in many, many different countries. So for the last, uh, I would say for the, almost last decade, they've been making this push toward. Probably since the recession, they've been making this push toward like, uh, what's the word? Uh, uh, consolidating their their vehicles and i guess uh their different countries. yeah because
1: they had so many different vehicles all over the yes. world that weren't offered in certain places yeah. and whatnot and it just so, yeah, it it makes complicates
0: sense. things so they're 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 trying to make these global cars now the fiesta was a global car is a global car mm-hmm. um that probably mi- one of the first i think so yeah because it was probably one of the one of the biggest selling now they're actually canceling the fiesta stateside i i heard a rumor no, they're, that they're bringing they're canceling. the car here they I have to know. have something that small. I know, I, but I think they're they're accenting it because the focus, right? This new focus will fill in the gaps.
1: It it does appear smaller.
0: Yeah. Uh. And and also it's styled with with almost with the Fiesta in mind. It, mm-hmm. it seems a little bit more sporty than the current Focus. And I'll be honest, uh, looking at these shots, I'm a big fan of the hatchback. Yes, I it think, looks really good. Yeah, I, I think that is a step in the right direction. It looks Japanese to me. In a way, or even Korean, I would say. Um, I'm not a fan of the sedan, though. I think they missed the mark on the sedan. All these
1: it just looks like a shrunken down Fusion.
0: Yeah, but it, it's frumpy. It's very frumpy, and it looks like a rental car to me. That's what that's what they mm-hmm. are like yeah, that's what they're going for and then they're also releasing a station wagon version of this focus yeah look it, that
1: looks the most strange
0: to yeah me. it just i don't think it's going to do very well stateside i and i don't even know if they're going to offer the five door uh wagon stateside they had them
1: here way back
0: yeah. when yeah no, i i do remember a time when they were sold here uh but i don't know there's something weird about it i'm kind of though digging what they're going to do with the RS and ST lines for the focus. I think this is a really nice setup and this is a fully redone car. So it sits on a different platform from what I understand Uh, and different engine options as well. Like we see here uh, in China, it's going to get a one liter EcoBoost engine. Uh, I think available here will be the 1.5 and two liter, uh, sorry, 1.5 liter gas engine Around the world, there will be an option for a 2-liter Eco Blue diesel. That's definitely not coming here. Uh, no. We're, we're terrified of diesel here. We don't get any good diesels. Uh, but, yeah, otherwise, it, it, I think it's going to be a good car. It's it, Probably it's going to compete directly with the Civic and, uh, and and the Camry. Camry, by the way, has a hatchback now. As what? If, yeah. Cam, there's a Camry hatchback. No. Sorry, not Camry. Uh, Corolla. My, my bad.
1: Even then, what?
0: Yeah. Toyota 96. has a Corolla hatchback. Toyota's got too many small cars because ever since they cut the Ax Scion, they took all the Scions that were selling or that were newer projects and rebadged them as Toyotas. Mm-hmm. Apart from the FRS, they're all just or or now the GT eighty six, they're all just sort of bland, you know. I've seen this. shapes. And who's buying these small Toyotas? I kind of like this the to- the Corolla Hatch, mm-hmm. would you take it over a a Civic Hatch? Because that's who they're gonna compete with. I mean, I think Civic Hatches are selling like hotcakes. They're they're everywhere. Because I think that Honda they've always been everywhere. Well, yeah, well, they brought it back, right? They there hasn't been a Civic Hatch since the early 2000s sold sold over here, stateside. They they've continued that in Europe, but they just brought it back now. Uh, so maybe that's why people people there's a tradition to it. People can they trust this it.
1: Camry? Um- Corolla hatch
0: kind of looks like a Mazda three. Yeah. Yeah. I did. I did notice that Uh, it has very similar Mazda three
1: lines. I kind of like it though.
0: Yeah. I don't know. I, I just thought I think Corolla or Toyota has way too many small cars. Like they should, they should start divvying them up. What are they? I don't know their names. I just know that when they, when they act Scion, they took all their, uh because they just had a, they had a new Scion. I think it was the X I or, I I something I see. I don't, yeah. I don't even know. But now they have to re the as Toyota.
1: The interior on this Corolla looks really good. Yeah, yeah. I'm not even gonna bother pulling it up. That's fine. Looks yeah. good. But you you like it. So unfortunately, that's the, the Focus they don't show anything on the interior. Yes, it's just exterior, and it's being released in um China and the rest of Europe first. And it will this come. Yeah, yeah, this year, and it will come. I believe in 2019 to. Mm-hmm. Uh, Second half of
0: 2019. So, we still got a while before we're going to see it. Um, But if I just bought a 2018 ST, I I would feel a little bit upset. The RS, of course, is different because it is, you know, the RS will always be the RS. But buying, you know, buying that ST while it is updated, you're probably going to miss a lot of the interior redesigns that are coming with this one. And I guarantee that they're going to be good because they have to compete with a really hot market right now for small cars. Mm-hmm. Like I, I agree. I think the Corolla's interior from what I saw in the sedan was really good. Mazda 3's interior is fantastic. Yeah. The Civic interior is very good. Yeah. I haven't okay. been in a
1: Mazda three in years. Uh,
0: the, similar to the CX three. Yeah. Okay. Um. Well, here's the thing. Mazda did. I think they were one of the first to bring that European style uh, that we're seeing right now mm-hmm. into the small Japanese uh, affordable cars and what, what i mean by that is by focusing on minimalist design putting that nice big flat screen and just sticking it on the dashboard that triggers in your mind a bit uh, like a higher upscale car when you see it because right. it, it was done by the germans first mazda was the first that i know to do that in a small japanese car and the domestics haven't really caught on with that yet in their entry-level vehicles you mm-hmm. still if you if you were to buy a ford focus right now you still get screen in in dash I think going forward, a lot of people are going to want to see those nice, crisp LCD screens sitting on their dash, not in the dash anymore. Okay. Because that that just speaks again quality, mm-hmm. right? Show the thinness of the screen. You you remove some of the clutter from the dashboard. It's more future forward. Um, so I, I Ford has to step it up and has to uh, to include that in their newer cars if they want to survive. If they want to if they want to sell any. Overall, I'm happy with the new look of the Focus. I think they really did Agreed. a good job.
1: When I first saw it, instantly sent it over to you.
0: Did you think it was a Kia by chance? Because that was my first inclination. No. I thought it was a Kia.
1: No. What did, one of our friends commented on it saying it looked like what? I can't remember. What did he say? I don't want to think of that. Oh, um, he said
0: it looked like the Genesis. The new yeah. Genesis. I was confused by what he meant by that. Is is there a new Genesis Coupe out? No. Or he was speaking about the sedan, I guess. The like sedan, the new sedan,
1: like the the front, the 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 grill and everything.
0: Well, I definitely agree there because the grill is that weird trapezoidal shape. Yep. That Ford stole originally from Aston Martin, I guess, while Aston Martin was clearing out their things from the Ford uh, head office, <laughs> the one of the guys just you know took some blueprint designs, uh, for the Range Rovers and Aston Martins because you. You can see in in Ford's trucks and and in their cars, there's yeah. a heavy there's a heavy uh, influence influence from Aston Martin there, and it's all legal, uh, much the way it is in China, I guess. There's no copyright copyright law for that, uh, but uh, another vehicle that was that they received a, a pretty big uh, aesthetic update, yeah. a direct competitor to the Mustang, yeah, was the 2019 Chevy Camaro. Mm-hmm. Boo.
1: Yeah, Boo. that that's one where when I saw it, I instantly sent it to you. Yeah, but did not have the same reaction as the focus. No, definitely not.
0: Um, before we dig into this, before we tear it to shreds, I want to say, when the 2016 redesign came out for the for the Camaro, it was so understated. It was it followed the 2015 uh, coming of the Mustang, that the, that that Ford had hyped up for like a good year. They did so many press videos talking about how the design was was supposed to celebrate 50 years of Mustang and and all this. So much uh, R&D went into it. And the interior, the exterior, it was it was taking on the one of the biggest things in the auto industry. Mm-hmm. Now, what a lot of people don't know is when the Mustang came out in the 60s, the Camaro came out a year later to compete with it. So they were also celebrating 50 years of Camaro in 2016, a year later. But they didn't have any press stuff hyping up this this all-new camaro it's to celebrate the 60 the 50-year anniversary but it was very underplayed Mm -hmm. what they did do different than ford is they came out swinging with an unbelievable car i didn't agree with the styling at first with the 2016 camaro i thought it was a little bit i it at first i thought it was weird because i thought ford did such a good job styling their mustang and i was kind of upset that chevy tweaked things only minorly I could still see the muscles from the previous car hiding under the fenders. So it looked to me like a minor refresh. But they did a really good job updating the interior. And they put out a car that in 2016 absolutely demolished the equivalent Mustang. Mm -hmm. And that was when, because I always grew up, I I don't know if you remember, I was a Ford guy. I hated the Camaros. I thought, oh, they're, you know, they, yeah, they got a nice motor, but they're heavy and blah, blah, blah. Yep. This generation camaro built off i think gm calls it the alpha platform Mm -hmm. is a unbelievably good value proposition sports car you can do minor tweaks to an ss1le to make it like compete with you'll bash uh, gt350r's on a track uh, you know in a drag strip or in a circuit they are just really really well built and that's why i always give gm credit i'm not the biggest gm fanboy I'm really not a fanboy of GM at all, but I always give them credit for two things, their performance division and their truck division, because they really do shine there. Uh, obviously, truck division, I'm still Ford guy, but when it comes to where they put their money and where they execute well, it's always been in their performance, at least for the last few decades, their performance vehicles and their truck line. So in 2016, I was really happy. I, I wanted one of these SSs. I really wanted an SS1 LE. Yeah, I remember that. Oh. I was ha- I was hard for one because I wanted to get rid of the, the Accord. I Obviously, it was a little bit out of my budget, and it was really a car I didn't need, right? Mm-hmm. I, as you guys
1: this, can see, these plans fell through. Yes, 100%. Uh,
0: but what was that? Is that a retort? Is that a, is no. that a remark? Oh. I don't know. Uh, but I really did like Just it. dating. Yes, I do not own currently a Camaro SS1 LE. Well, you don't stop talking
1: about that Accord, so.
0: Well, it's a fantastic vehicle as well. But hmm. that doesn't change the fact that I was really impressed by it. And then they come out and do this shit. They pull this one on. Yeah, us. it looks
1: weird. So
0: weird. Everything about it. I mean, I, I'm staring. I've been staring at it for the last ten minutes. Like while we were talking about other cars, I literally had the Camaro staring at me in the face. And I've I've sort of grown on me a bit. And I'm sure a year from now I won't mind it. But what the hell, Chevy? Like, did it need that much of? It's only a mid cycle refresh. They they totally changed the front end of the car. It looks nothing like the old one. And, and the old one was just finally. I was I wanted to tell you, I saw one on the road in gray. It was an SS. Not it probably what didn't have the one L E package, but it was just a regular SS with the nicer wheels, I think 20 inch wheels. Yep. And I thought it was gorgeous. I thought it looked better than most Mustangs. But then they do this, and everything changes. So let, let's dig into well, it a little remember
1: bit. Remember when we saw the um that was a Z01. Yeah. Still. Yeah. Well, at the auto show. My God.
0: Z01, yeah, it looked great. And then they just... Yeah, and basically the the most controversial and affronting thing that that I think catches most people off guard, if you look at the SS trim, they they screwed up the most on this. They split the bumper top to bottom in an uneven way. And on the SS trim, they black out this this bodywork bar that cuts the bumper in half, so it looks like one big grill, similar to the new Honda Accord. Except this isn't a Honda Accord. This is not, you know, you're not supposed to, it's not about making it modern and look, you know, flashy. This is about making it look angry. It's a muscle car. Look at at the Hellcat and the Demon, right? And look at the GT350R. They look angry. This car looks a little bit more fashion forward to me. Mm -hmm. And I think they missed the mark. This is supposed to be a fire-breathing Camaro SS that is capable of crazy things on a track, but it sure doesn't look like it. Uh, with this, with this up, with this new redesign. So th- on the good, the good news is they only black out this plastic uh, trim piece on the SS. If you get the lower trim levels, they keep it body match. They body match the color, and I think that it really does look a little bit better. Uh, no, you don't like are, it? No. I think to me it looks okay because it reminds me of the previous design. Like I'm looking right now at the convertible, and for the first time ever, I think a Camaro convertible looks better than the than the coupe and i hate the camaro convertible look i think i think they look atrocious uh but i can i can sort of get used to seeing that this updated redesign as long as there's a body color piece in the middle of the grill other than the front fascia being totally botched um uh, the rear i think is okay those lights they well yeah they first they ditched the square lights from the previous gen which was whatever they put the the sort of half semicircle lights on the on the 2016 yeah which caught some people off guard but it was also reminiscent of like previous Corvettes I think or something I don't know and it was they were okay but now they just totally rounded them out and I don't I don't get it I don't know what style they're, like, they're it's almost like they're just changing things on the, on the front and rear faces just to change things. But yeah, it really—it's really throwing me off uh, the whole aesthetic of the car. But you know what I think it comes from? GM designed this vehicle to have very high uh, shoulder lines, like where the where the bottom of the windows are. Okay. Right, and that is bad for visibility, but it makes the car look thinner and more aggressive. But when you do that, you have the rest of the vehicle below these shoulder lines. Right, that so that line carries through and that's the top of your hood and the top of your rear deck lid. Yeah. So you have these very wide areas at the front and the rear of the vehicle that you have to do something with. I think what you don't want to do is make them look chunky and large. That's kind of what they've done. Yeah, because this looks like a a box to me now. Right. You wanna you wanna make them slim and, and have the car look sleek. That's why you cut the roof in the first place and make the roof look super thin. And that's really why the Camaro looks different than any other muscle car out there. And why also why the visibility out of the Camaro is shit. Now, you talk to any Camaro owner and they're like, oh, it's fine. I can see everything. In fact, the guy we saw yeah. at the auto show said that exactly to us Oh, everyone says you can't see out of the car. You get used to it. Well,
1: when you're driving, you should be looking forward. <laughs> yeah. That's
0: what he said. I know. Like, okay, well, when someone's cross shopping because they're not, you know, bleed, they don't bleed Chevy like you, this is something that's going to be important to them. And obviously, any muscle car, like we've been in our friend's Challenger, yeah, the visibility is a little bit reduced. But I, I'm telling you, if you sit inside of a, uh, of any Corvette or a Camaro, it's a significant difference. The mm-hmm. Challenger has better sight lines than the Camaro. Yeah. And the Challenger also has a similar thing where they chop. They, ha- they have that chopped roof look. Yep. The Mustang is really the only one that's been able to keep the visibility and still have that sleek look. Um, but... Yeah, I don't know, man. The aesthetics on this car—they're weird. Uh, apart from the from the front and rear fascia updates, I, uh, I th- updates. I think you can also get now a ten speed auto option, um, and I think that comes on the SS. Wow, I know it's not really a a big thing. Uh,
1: it's really no improvement here.
0: Yeah, yeah. I I still think it's an awesome muscle car, and I would still buy a Camaro, but I would buy the twenty seventeen. <laughs> Or 18 model. I would not buy this one. Um, you wouldn't even buy the new uh, 1LE? Ooh, that's <laughs> right. Along with these controversial yeah. front... You know, it's almost like Chevy's trying to stick it to people. That's like, hey, strange. we made a great car. Now look what we're going to do to it. So along with this controversial update, they released the new 1LE uh, package, which Chevy's always had um, on their Camaros. You didn't silence your phone really before we did the podcast, Mikey? Coming
1: from the guy. That is disrespectful. Whose phone rang through their laptop.
0: <laughs> through the laptop. Um You know what though, I gotta say, I'm looking at the one LE in red. Now when I say one L.E., it's very if if our if our listeners don't know what the one LE is. The one LE is a package that you could option. It's a track, it's a track performance pack. package, yeah. That you could option on any Camaro, be it SS. Or the V6, you know, uh, variant. And now? And now you can option it on their four-cylinder... V- rental uh, car. Turbocharged, yes. Why they're putting a track pack on their entry... Uh, actually, you know what? If they do it the same as Ford, the turbocharged four is not actually the entry. The V6 is the
1: entry level. And yeah, the EcoBoost, if you, you can tune those to have a lot of power. Yeah, and, and I would assume you could do the same with these. So, but that's that's not a good excuse to make one. Well,
0: if if it's on the V, okay, I'll tell you one thing. the The real rental car is the V six. Sure. How even though Chevy did put a lot of work into the V six to make it a, a proper performance car, like I think uh, they did a lot more than what Ford did. Ford's trying to axe the V six. They don't want a V six in their lineup because they they're not going to turbocharge the V six to make it better than the V eight, and they're not going to make the they're no, they Makes have sense. no reason to make a fuel efficient V six when they have a four cylinder turbo makes sense. So, they're trying to Ford's trying to axe the V6, but Chevy seems to support it. I think they're going to follow Ford as soon as the the V6 Mustang is axed, which will be in the next generation of Mustang, I guarantee you. They're going to axe their V6 uh Camaro. However, they they still put a lot of R&D into the V6. I remember reading about it when I was into uh the 2016 Camaro. It still uh puts out, I think, over 300 horsepower. It does. It yep. is faster. Like it 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 definitely competes with other V six sports cars yes. out there. Uh and so that it makes sense that they would also offer a track pack for it, but then they're now offering a track pack on their four cylinder turbocharged car. It's sort of maybe overkill for me. I can see why Ford would offer a track pack mm-hmm. for their, their EcoBoost engine because that's gonna be the performance variant if you're if you're not interested in a V eight. But with GM, now you have so many options. You, if you if you want the full beans, you go with the with a 8 And then if you want the fuller beans, you can go with the, the SS1LE. Or if you want the fullest beans, you can get the ZL1. But it, let's say you're not interested in a V8. Well, now you have to choose between V6 or four-cylinder. And let's say you want uh, the the fuel economy of the four-cylinder, but you want the track. Wow. Absolute Sorry, disrespect. it's coming through my... Uh, should I answer it? I mean like we're we're mid podcast we'd probably have to pause. Are you going to pause I'm the, I'm
1: going to answer it and tell him to wait. Are you going to
0: pause the the podcast though? Hello. <laughs> oh.
1: <laughs> I'll call you back. Hold on. I'll call you back. That's one of our most second most valued yes. listeners. Yes. Oh yeah. Yeah, just uh just giving us a call there.
0: Vic should, is our most valued. Of course. Of course, always. Um but yeah, I mean this
1: this uh I don't even know where I was going now. <laughs> God Thank you, Eric. If Eric we know you're not listening. <laughs> but thank this you. Threw us off. Derailed the conversation. Um yeah, but actually you made a reference to our friend that has
0: the challenger. That is our friend that has the challenger. Yes, that is our friend that has the challenger. Eric, he's very proud of it. And so are we. Um but yeah, I mean, what Chevy's done with this with this update
1: is it's weird. It's a weird one. I can un- like, I get it. People want the look of a Mustang and Camaro. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna throw Mustang into this. Yeah, Mustang and Camaro, but don't necessarily want all that power. Mm-hmm. If it were up to me, that defeats the whole purpose of having a muscle of car. Of course, yeah. But why slap? Why why put a track pack on these underpowered cars? What's the point? GM, Other than for the look, GM. As said that because there's a
0: category of people out there who buy four-cylinder turbocharged cars and make them faster than from the factory, that may be true, gentlemen from from GM, but let me give you a hint. Then put your four-cylinder turbo in a car for tuners. Don't put yeah. it in uh, what in your category of what you still call a muscle car. If you're still going to call it a muscle car, then then don't. Uh, th- tune it's it. not a muscle car. You're you're trying to you're trying to homo- homologize. Is that homolog a muscle car homologate? without the muscle? Yeah, well, and and those have existed for a long time. But I think I think everyone can agree you can extract a lot of performance from a four cylinder turbocharged car. But then unless you're planning to redefine what a muscle car is, which they've already done, right? I think we had this conversation a little bit earlier today. Mm-hmm. The original muscle car was the Pontiac GTO. Sure. Okay, and that w- and and the Mustang and Camaro were pony cars because they were they weren't the full muscle cars. Right. They were more, you know, sporty versions of of what muscle cars were, right. but muscle cars from from the get-go were supposed to be family sedans with the biggest engine that that, that the company could make. So it was like it, almost the idea of like what bootleggers used to do during Prohibition. They would they would have these regular-looking cars but that made unbelievable horsepower and could can do un, un like unbelievable things. Mm-hmm that's obviously changed with the uh with the amount of cars that we have today there's one for every single purpose but unless Chevy is ready to say that this generation Camaro is going to change what a muscle car means then don't say that you're going to bring a track pack option for your right. entry level exactly. for, to a turbo cuz that's not what it, I don't think that's what it's about I don't think anyone buying this is is going to do that to it and then and then he tried to take aim at like the Focus RS and Type R uh, Civic Type, Type R. R,
1: yeah, the WRX.
0: Yeah, like what? Really? You think people are cross shopping no. these two cars? Look how much more practical a, a I, an STI is compared honestly, to a Camaro.
1: I think people may cross shop them. I, th- I, I, think I think so. I think if people cross shop them, then uh, just because of their, they have that thing of the oh, it's a sp- sports car. Yes, in quotes, yes. and it's around the same like price range. They, people, like, In especially, Canada, especially younger people, they yes. would cross drop them. Younger people that
0: can't afford them. Yes.
1: Sure. The people, the people actually going know, into showrooms.
0: Well, I'm just saying, no, cause I'm saying the people actually going to showrooms, putting their money down on these cars are probably going to realize that if you go out and spend money on a, on a focus RS. Okay. Maybe not. R. Okay. Let's not, let's say ST cause RS we know is like $60,000 more expensive than this Camaro. Yeah. Um, but if you're going to go out there and spend money on a Civic Si or a uh, Focus ST or a, WRX. or a WRX, you are in a different category of car, a more practical category of car than you are with a
1: entry-level Camaro. Right, given that you live in the area we do.
0: Yes. because, But even even in California, let's say, guess what? You spend that much money on a Camaro... You've now spent that much money to get a Camaro that only makes, I think, two what was it, two hundred and seventy yeah, horsepower? two seventy four, I think. Yeah, and still has sight line, ungodly sight lines. Now, no, granted, you, you've
1: got that wrong. They,
0: the, you can see fine. <laughs> okay, whatever. All right, Camaro fanboy. Um, but I I will say, like this this two liter uh, turbocharged uh engine in the Camaro, it puts out a lot more than what the other two liter turbo turbocharged cars do. Sure. Uh, it actually no. But guess they, what? This is a they, muscle car. We should not be talking about two-liter force. Yeah, you're right. You're right. You
1: know what? It, it, this releases a but flop. Let me, sorry. Let me just retract yeah. my previous statement it's
0: because flop. I was thinking that this car puts out more than a Civic Si or uh or a um sorry, yeah one or Focus ST does, but it doesn't really. Really, it does a lot more than the Civic Si. Civic Si, I think, puts only only like a two hundred and something, like low two hundreds. But then the Type R puts out 306, and the Focus RS puts out 3 345, and those are full two liters. The Civic Si is only 1.5. That's, that's
1: pushing my S5 territory. Like that's yeah, 345. <laughs> Actually, though, yeah, that's, that's 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 literally more star How right? much is you have? Three, I think three, three, thir- And then yeah. with with my with my lore and my exhaust, it's probably closer to like 375. Probably like bro. 410, bro. <laughs> that's what's said on the box, right? Nah but <laughs> funny story. When I installed the exhaust, the guy's like, "Yeah, you should see a little bit of a power again." <laughs> I'm like, no, just take my money. I'm going to lose power. <laughs> I, I'm I'm not an engineer. I'm
0: doing the opposite of what the engineers intended. Exactly. So let me just hear my engine more. Yeah. That's what I want. Um, but yeah, I mean, end yeah, of the day. Let, let's flop. wrap up this Camaro. Flop, yeah. flop, 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 flop. They still kudos, make a nice performance. Kudos car, to though. Ford
1: on two good releases this week. And yes. shame on you, Chevy. Yeah, um, it's weird. It's very, very strong, Jay. But, but anyway. I, I think we're going to go into a break. Yes. Uh, because my laptop's about to die, and oh boy. Eric texted me. Okay, so maybe he needs something. Let's well, go into a break. And we are back. Are we? We are. Wow, I didn't even hear the ticking this time. And the we're back. It's because my laptop's on mute. Ah, yes, yes. Old yes. trick of the
0: trade, you trick know. Trick of the trade. Yeah, you're tricking your, your own pa podcast partner over here uh but yeah and we're back and you pulled speaking of tricks you pulled a really mean one on me one there for,
1: for friday the 13th you convinced me little old gag
0: <laughs> you convinced me that you had pre-ordered a goddamn rolex gmt master 2 <laughs> for 2020 now this watch which i thought was much more expensive uh, of course this is the gmt master 2 in stainless steel
1: yeah with the pepsi, was, yes. Ooh, the
0: pepsi bezel yes uh now, I thought it was closer to like fifteen to 17,000, but that is the regular GMT Master 2, is that not? No? In no. white gold, what, what do they go for in like white gold? 41,000. What? Yes, sir. They're marked up because of what? Anthony, we talked about this last week. I know, but I forget. My, for me, when we talk about Rolex, my mind just washes
1: away. Um, Rolex, actually, their website, stellar. Yeah, it really improved. Um, so let's uh, let's do a little browse here. Okay, um, and I'll tell you exactly their values, Anthony. Well, so we've got the GMT Master Two. You can actually build the watches. It's really good. Yeah. Sim- have you been on Tudor's website? Uh, just to look at their uh, their new Pepsi. Okay. Yeah. So the um the Rolex GMT Master Two mm-hmm. uh, with the Jubilee bracelet in Oyster Steel mm-hmm. is available at ten thousand six hundred dollars Canadian. Okay. Wow, not bad. Um. Not Brad. The ones that are about fifteen thousand are the oyster steel and yellow gold two tone, mm-hmm. and the um, the ever rose gold root beer, bio. which they also just released. Yes, for sixteen thousand one hundred. Gross. Yeah. Um, when we get into the, where are we here? White gold. The white golds. We're getting there. Come mm-hmm. on, let's go. What are we doing? I mean, I know it's that much, but anyways, forty two thousand one hundred and fifty. Jeez. Yeah, white, I would white gold pepsi bezel i would
0: definitely go stainless steel or oyster steel as it's well that's the thing I mean. all these
1: people that spent all this money on a white gold Ge- well. gmt master just to have that pepsi bezel because mm. realistically obviously the people that are buying these watches have tons of money mm. um but you're you're buying the pepsi bezel because it's the pepsi bezel yeah and you um, like the look of it yeah you can get that for literally a quarter of the price yeah Sorry oh. sorry people for that part. Well, you uh,
0: you had convinced me that you put yourself on a wait list for yeah, the if you don't Pepsi if bezel if you don't have a students. really good
1: relationship with an AD, mm-hmm. um, meaning you've bought from them before and you've bought Rolexes from them before, mm-hmm. you're not getting one. Yeah. More than likely, yeah. That's unfortunate. Cuz yeah, I would think a lot of people cuz if you think about it this way, if you put
0: yourself on a wait list and the watch is supposed to come down the pipe in 2 years from now. $11,000 doesn't seem like that much of an investment. That's yeah, a couple hundred a month.
1: Yeah. Th- When you're paying for other things like real life uh, things, of course, yeah, it's a lot of money, no matter
0: when it is. Mm. But uh, beyond your trickery uh, that you just uh, took advantage of my of my uh, of my innocence there, uh, in thinking that you were going to buy a uh, mayo. (laughs) Was that your new catchphrase? Mayo. Anyway, I have a watch I'd like to talk about. Mayo. That uh, just as of recently, actually, I've changed my views on.
1: You you often change your views. Almost.
0: Yes, <laughs> I just because that.
1: that's how you learn, Mikey. You think so you, know, one way about something, and then you hate something, and then you and then you, you actually learn about it, and then and you're like huh, exactly. Well, you know
0: a lot of things I hate, I'm just really uninformed about. True, you know that, that's what the reality of the matter. Um, so I I ask our listeners, please could try to convince me otherwise. Uh, the funny thing is that when I become very uh, informed about things, then I tend to even dig strong, like yeah. harder into certain areas. I like that. Anthony when he doesn't like things. <laughs> but one thing that I do like uh, is the Nomos brand. Now, I should probably explain why it's a big turn of a page for me. When I was researching my next um, dress watcher or, or piece with horological importance, not a beater, Right, I have a couple of beaters. I have a Seiko SKX and my in my System 51. Those those pieces there. There's a lot of coverage on them because a lot of people buy them. They're fairly easy to get, and you don't have to save up for a long time to to be able to afford them because of where they of how they're priced. The Ming was my last big purchase. That was a thousand dollars Canadian, basically. Uh, and I and I justified it because it was very weird. It was sort of a one-off, limited production, and I really stuck with the brand. But I did a lot of time uh watching a lot of uh YouTube uh personalities, um, one of which uh you know him very well, TGV, mm-hmm. right? And uh and his channel. Also uh the Time Teller, Jory Goodman, and Fredrico. And all three of them have covered Nomos before. Nomos, if you guys don't know, they're I believe they're a Swiss brand, but they have like this I think it's German yep. Glass Hute yeah, is I, I, usually I believe, German, is yeah, it not? Yeah, yeah. So they're Nomos Glassute, and uh, Hodinki really likes them. They sell a lot of Nomos on their website. Uh, if you go on their shop, you'll find a mm-hmm. lot of Nomos there. And they're very minimalist designs. And that's why I had a problem with them at first, because before I learned about Nomos, I learned about Young Hands, and their Max Bill line. Minimalist design is a trademark of Bauhaus design. And Bauhaus is a school of design in Germany um, that. That that does a lot of a lot of work, I guess, or did was very famous in the 1960s. They bred the artist and designer Max Bill. He's one of the most famous Baja's designers. He worked in conjunction with Young Hands to produce a series of timepieces, uh, clocks, and and watches. To uh, <laughs> I'm just looking at your face right now. Anyway, <laughs> you want to pause here? No. No, just keep on keep going. going. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Stop stop holding your eyebrow that way then, please. <laughs> I'm reading. God That's how I read. Okay. Uh anyway. So uh back to Bauhaus design very minimalist, and one of the most famous designers is Max Bill. mm the company, Hands is one of Germany's oldest and, and, and largest watchmakers, like, almost similar to a Seiko, not obviously in size. Seiko is much larger. But uh, as far as tradition and, and affinity with their country of origin in Germany, similar to Seiko, um, they're inherently German. And they, dis- they, they had a re-release of a Max Bill styled piece. If you look at it, it is, it is an iconic uh, piece of Bauhaus and minimalist design. So I saw that, and I and I would always think that Young Hands and their Max Bill line was the definitive minimalist watch. And then I started to see Nomos, and I figured, oh, this is kind of like a ripoff of, of minimalist design. Why did you think that? Just because you saw Young Hands before? Yes, really. That that's it. And also yeah. the shape of the Young Hands watch. I have to say, like the domed crystal and domed case back, Like it's it's very very classical. It's very timeless. Yeah. You don't get that right off the bat by looking at the majority of Nomos watches. They're very round with the when their bezels are very very thin it, it's it t- it's a different thing to appreciate right you, your palette has to be a little bit different to appreciate an almost watch. However, they've been getting a, a lot more attention than, uh, than they did at the time that I I uh, saw them. So in it, obviously with more attention they they release more watches and uh, I actually just saw I think my favorite watch by them. In uh, the in the Nomos thirty eight campus or club thirty eight campus night. Now let me break that down because it's a lot of words. Mm -hmm. Nomos has a lot of different models. Um, One of their I think best selling and most iconic models is the club. It's the club sort of occupies their all the way from their entry level to their mid range as far as price and uh, and technology. So the NOMOS, the, the most entry-level NOMOS club is the Campus, a watch that NOMOS brought out just recently um, with intention, or in the last few years, with the intention of, of being uh, a person's first proper watch, like a watch with horological importance and also a watch that the wearer could attach some sort of milestone importance to. And, and, and to further that point, they also released it with an option for a full stainless case back so that you can engrave something on it. It's also a cost-saving measure. Uh, you're shaking your head at me, but well, whatever. It's I think that that would be really nice. Like if I had uh, if I was uh, if I had a nephew or something, and and I was willing to spend it because like let's not beat around the bush here. Nomos are expensive. For a watch, most people have never heard of. They're expensive. the The very the, their most inexpensive model, the Club Campus, right, meant to be someone's first good watch, is two thousand dollars. Now you spend two thousand dollars on a Hamilton. Some some people can justify because they've heard of the name Hamilton. Yeah, two thousand dollars on uh, on a tag, you, people can definitely justify. Oh, but this, is a, a good, this is a good point. It's a good tag, mm-hmm. right? But two thousand dollars on a Nomos, someone's gonna look at you like, "What the hell did you buy? What's two thousand dollars?" And that is where the biggest advantage with Nomos is, because for two thousand dollars, you're getting a hell of a lot more than you get in the equivalent Hamilton or Tag, because when you flip over the back of a Nomos, if you get the sapphire crystal on the case back. You will see one of the most beautiful, beautifully engraved and 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 put together uh, movements in that price range. That's something Nomos is famous for. In fact, uh, Watchfinder, and this is why I've started to like Nomos a little bit more because, you know how I am about value propositions. Mm -hmm. When when I learned about a two thousand dollar Nomos. Sharing similar traits and when I say similar traits, I mean simply in the in the quality of of the design right not in the quality of materials. There's no way they could compete with some of the watches that Watchfinder put them up against. I believe it was uh, Omega. Uh, they compared the the movement to like the, the look of the movement and the and the quality of the of the um, what would you call it the bridges and, and how everything was was put together. Compared to Omega, and I think they also compared it to uh, uh, Longay. Really? Yeah, because of of how the back of the Nomos looks. It's a very pretty watch to look at. So, I want to talk a little bit today about my most favorite model from them. I never considered buying, like, knowing all this stuff coming to me recently about Nomos mm-hmm. Clasute. Uh, I never actually considered buying one, right? I I respected the brand I knew that it was a watch that if I had ever seen someone wearing I would I would instantly think okay Well, this is a good piece, right? A bit of a good chunk of money, but a good piece But I finally found one that I really dig And yeah, I know I know it's kind of it's a big surprise uh, but it is this club 38 campus night and some cool things going on here it's got a black face blue uh blue numerals and the numerals are also it's a california dial i know you're rolling your eyes because for you california dial what is it, Mikey? When
1: I liked the California dial panerai,
0: I got made fun. of I thought it was dumb, but you know what? When you, because when you told me about the panerai California dial, you you chintzed it up with this story about oh, because the Italian divers in World War II, if they were found with their watches on, they didn't want them to know where they came from. Are you kidding me? The minute the guy opened his mouth, you know where he came from. Not, they're not gonna look at his watch and be confused. This guy's got half uh, Roman numeral and half so Arabic. Why are they,
1: what's this? What's the deal with this?
0: Why is this? So I just special? think I just think that this this design is gorgeous. It's so interesting. And one thing that because I think we're both on Nomos's website right now, right? Mm-hmm. One thing that doesn't come across is the high polish on the rounded uh face of the case. If you yeah, look I've at seen it, them in other pictures, yeah, and that's that's one of the things I love about the club is that it is. Oh, it's it's elegant, and and it's a watch for all occasions. I wouldn't say elegant. I there's something for me. It's similar to my Ming. I love high polish on on the edge of that sapphire crystal. I I that's something I really like when I see in watches. Yeah. <laughs> picking your ears right now. Sorry, I know I'm filling your ears with a lot of bull. I guess, but uh, no, honestly, this this Nomos Club ha- has really made me look into the brand a little bit more. Am I ready, though, to drop two Gs on Anomos? Absolutely not. Uh, If this was priced closer to $1,000, which I think they were, because some of the videos I've seen on YouTube of people reviewing this watch from about two years ago, they would claim, now obviously they're from Europe or they're from the U.S., they would claim that the watch went for about $700 and something. dollars. That's not the case anymore. Canadian, I can tell you right now, Anomos, Club 38, goes for 1910 1910. they also have a nomos club in a 30 so the 38 is for the diameter it's a designation for the diameter they also have the nomos club in i believe a 36 or a 37 uh and it's cheaper it's 1740 canadian but it's also very it's white face with pink numeral it's not something that i really that's that's the ladies watch um the 38 is is for the for the guys um and both are 1910 Canadian. That's before any tax and any shipping and anything. So it's a lot of money on a piece that is still an entry level model. You don't get to say that you're that you're carrying, you know, you, not to say it's not a proper Nomos, but it doesn't have while it's a great movement, it is still their entry level movement. If you want to really get into the this the the high the hot horology as they say or like the the proper value proposition nomos, you're gonna to have to spend closer to four to five thousand and then you're carrying a piece that's worth its weight, right? Like that that shoots yeah. above its weight class. Um I I'm confident in saying that if you were to buy a five thousand dollar nomos, you're getting a watch with more performance under the hood than us like I would know you can't really say Rolex because people will let you on fire maybe a a seamaster i think the nomos the way that the movement is is, is finished is a lot nicer than than a seamaster of course seamasters are more rugged they're more built for mm-hmm. you know for the daily um drive but again my point is here nomos is a fantastic brand uh I, their brand equity uh to me has really shot up and i finally found a watch from them that i really really like and it's in a relatively affordable price range so if I did come across a used piece by them that someone was willing to to sell, I would be really inclined to pick it up but just not new not at around two thousand dollars I think there's there's other pieces in that in that price range that you can do better so what do you think?
1: Cool you're not into
0: it uh no are you into any
1: of the nomos no line? No, I can't say. Yeah,
0: yeah it, they're it, cool. It is very, they are very neat. Um,
1: they definitely hold their ground in mm-hmm. terms of um, uh, movement and whatnot. Yeah. Uh, build quality. It's all there. Everything's there. Yeah. It's just the aesthetics of it. And I'll be honest. I, I, I agree with you totally. I think
0: that other than the club line, I don't really well, – I don't – I'm not enamored by the rest of the line. Like it, there's nothing that does it for me
1: other than the club. Yeah. And here's the thing. Recently at Basel World uh, mm-hmm. 2018, they released a new, a new line from Nomos. Uh, yeah. The Autobahn. Yes. Um, which is supposed to be a driving race inspired uh, watch. Mm-hmm. It's not. It was, uh, did, yeah. did we talk about this during our Basel World? I think you? we, we I spoke think we about it briefly. It. Um, yeah. It doesn't make any sense. It's strange.
0: Uh, it does. It's not a typical chronograph. That's why I think a lot of people are not going to receive it as as such. But Nomos has a cult following now, and I'm telling you, whatever they put out, people are going to look at like it's you know the the second coming. Um, so this Autobahn, I'm, I'm about to open it up right now. Mm-hmm. It's not a traditional chronograph in its styling. It, it's very strange. It looks to me it's like a almost Mustang. illegible. Well, yeah. It,
1: Which is what a chronograph should not be.
0: Yes. Oh, really?
1: And I say that as I'm wearing the Tag Heuer zero, uh, caliber Heuer 1. Yeah. Um, um, but no, really, it, 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 it is hard to read. It, and, it, yeah. and and a chronograph should be very legible. Mm-hmm. Um, wh- what racing heritage are they? I don't understand but what you, they're trying you know to what do what? here We've, other than trying to tap into that.
0: We're calling it a chronograph. But from the watches I'm seeing, I don't see any stoppers, any, any push uh, or pushers here. I don't know if it's actually supposed to be a chronograph. They don't make any claims here for it to be a chronograph. No, there'sn't. No. I think it is honestly just a a straight up like Yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It has a date complication, not even a day complication. Um, it does have right at the bottom. But there's a date there? No, just the day. Date. Sorry, date complication. No day complication. Just the date. Yeah. I think this is just supposed to be a regular watch. It, it, now, what? So is then this
1: there you go. That that only proves my point more. What what makes this so race inspired? Um. Or, okay. Or well, hold on. It definitely driving. definitely looks like a gauge
0: cluster. The way that uh, these little spaces, these um,
1: little curved spaces, they've put in the middle of the. Yeah, face. and maybe the date the date aperture window is uh, is um. It looks like, like an a odometer, vintage, like yeah. odometer. Yeah,
0: I I can I see where they
1: were going here,
0: but again, if you if you go down, It seems
1: like what what in their brand says. Oh, we we have this driving yeah. inspired watch. Like it, it doesn't make sense to their brand. I think that they've been they've a lot of people have been buying into them recently, and so now they're trying to make
0: something for everyone. To, yeah, for everyone. But all the all your questions are answered when you click on the caliber tab, and scroll down, and you see the, a caliber like this. Tell me. Well, okay. This is a this is a bad. Well, one no, that doesn't answer my this is $6, question.
1: dollars. That answers my question. Why it's six thousand dollars? It Doesn't answer my question. Why they released a driver inspired watch? Yes. That well, for me, that is why I would be into it because I. I'd sure, love it. but this you can find beautiful. that movement in another in one, one of their watches.
0: Well, yeah. I again, I would not buy this one. I would not buy this one straight up. I don't think it. It doesn't tick any of my boxes. I do like the strap. It's a well. It's like a cloth. It's like a great NATO. Yeah. Um, they named one of their watches the Metro. But it's weird, like they have a watch called the Orion. Like it, it honestly looks like a movement watch, right? Like this is why I was never into Nomos because those are the ones I was used to. But then you see the Club. It's got this instead of uh, most of the uh, of the Nomos watches are these dainty looking dress watches or or sport dress watches. But the Club has the this nice thick rounded polished rim. And to me, it almost looks like the watch that you put on your bedside and use as a clock. I know Panerai people love to do no, that. No,
1: IWC, big pilot. Sorry,
0: sorry IW, Well, okay, John Mayer, relax. Uh, anyone with a big watch that's easily legible could do that. Uh, and then when you scroll down through the club line, I really wish that the club uh, automatic date for 4750 came in a California dial. I, would, I think that would really look good.
1: Kind of you know? just seems like you want to be a Paneristi.
0: Well, maybe I do want to be a Paneristi on some level. I'll be honest. I I think it's a they they are beautiful watches, um, but I don't know if I would spend the premium for the Panerai. The same way I would do this. Right, I know your your mind is blowing up, but I would I you would spend five thousand
1: dollars on this over. Yeah, I would too. Over uh, well, an entry level Panerai. No, you no, get no I answered my own question. I like I bought it for like a different reason, but like the, yeah. obviously you're getting more of this watch than you would yeah. from an entry level Panerai. The
0: only thing is, you're not getting is the brand equity, exactly, uh, for other people, I, I, right? I, when you have a Panerai, people know you know it's the first thing they see on your wrist. When you have a Nomos, you could have bought that from uh, a website that was created three weeks ago in Korea, right? Like no one. The people that, that know know and the people that don't don't. So yeah, that that's what it is. I but I want to talk about them today because I'm happy that I I found a line from them that I enjoy. Because I wanted to like nomals for the longest time. And having the new club uh campus, I don't know how it came to my attention. Maybe it's because they released a new one for Baselworld World or maybe because then of only the autobahn release. was released to a so that maybe in looking at the autobahn i came across the club potentially but uh i you know that is that is a watch i can see myself buying yeah yeah uh, eventually not not right now but eventually again if a used one comes for sale so if any of our listeners are selling a i doubt uh, it well you never know they're definitely man people are buying these things they've been getting a lot of praise people are buying them but yeah so that, that's it for me for uh, for watch talk uh, for today's episode. I know it was a, kind of a long drawn out one, uh, but I want to share with you guys what I found. Oh, I do want to give a shout out to one of our uh, followers on Instagram, who is buying a pre owned Ming, seventeen o one. Heck yeah, good for good for you, brother. Who's I think, selling their seventeen o one already? Wow, shame yeah, on that you. that is strange, uh, especially in Canada. I, like I I know that there's uh, someone who's a part of Red Bar. Uh, I think uh, you can find him on Instagram under B412. Um, but now, so the Canadian watch guy, I think is mm-hmm. uh, the, the, the the guy's name. Uh, one of our followers, he's purchasing or picking up, taking delivery of his pre-owned 1701. I say pre-owned because unless this person just bought it to flip it, I mean, it wasn't that big of a deal when the watch came out. Like if, if you follow Hodinky avidly, Yep, or a lot of these other watch uh, blogs avidly, you would have heard about the watch because it was a little bit of a big news It did receive a lot of press coverage, but I don't think to to the, to a point where anyone would buy it just to flip it. Um, so, uh,
1: congratulations to uh, to Canadian yeah, watch and guy. Yeah, if you guys are browsing the Instagram, check out his page. Lots of cool things. Yeah. Oh yeah, and he's Canadian. Lots of Universal Genève. See that?
0: Hmm. Interesting. something you'd be interested that in. That was
1: there was a time when
0: all I wanted was universal geneve. And uh and then you know priorities changed, but I still would love a vintage piece, mm-hmm. but I have changed my mind about vintage in the way that I want a vintage piece. I want the story to be one owner uh sell, like maybe family or relatives selling cuz they they just don't they you know they don't they don't want it or they don't need it and in in good condition. You know, it's nice to see when the dials are faded and, and, you know, it's got the spots all over it. But for me, I just, I'm not at that point. I can't appreciate that. So when it comes to vintage, I want like a piece that has a story, but is also in very good condition. Right. So that would be my
1: my next step. You know, when I was looking at this guy's page, we Mm -hmm. don't know his name. Sorry. So we're going to refer to you as this guy. Um, Or Canadian watch guy. um, When I was looking at his page, I I noticed two watches. Mm -hmm. Two watches that we've both... Mentioned that we've liked, mm-hmm. one being the um, Speedmaster Professional, mm-hmm. obviously, and uh, Rolex Explorer. I, don't, I, I think I think we've talked about it before, um, not too much, mm-hmm. um, but he has pictures of him rocking both of them on leather straps. Wow, thank you. I would just like to say thank you. Why? Why thank you? Because uh, everyone I know is so opposed to putting leather straps on. Speedmasters and Rolexes. Oh no, no. Speedy yes, Tuesday. It came yes.
0: with a leather strap and, and Rolex Explorers, you see them on leather straps all the time. The only thing I can think of against that is that the corporate world sees the Speedmaster as almost like a sign of, of like you've done it, right? Yeah, so in well, the corporate world them. in the corporate world, bracelets make sense. You know, uh, you wear your your speedy on a bracelet when you're rocking a suit. You but in that same thing. Why though? Why? Well, okay. That's just the way people do it. I'm not. I'm not saying it's right. I'm just saying that's the that's the idea. However, I think that uh, I just Speed tagged you mass, in one
1: of his posts. Look at this. We're doing this live.
0: We're doing this live. Oh my god. Instagram. Wow, wow. Let me see. Man, I mean, you don't have to convince me. I think. I think both those watches look, look fantastic at this. on the right. Chat. Thank
1: you, Mister <laughs> Canadian Watch Guy.
0: Yeah, absolutely stunning. How good is now? That? I will say though the explorer when i think of the explorer i think of i think of a rolex that you can wear in like
1: sub-saharan africa as your as as you're you're so, you're so fixated on having a watch for the perfect scenario
0: well because that's that's when i think that like that's what the story is you know like if i if i think about buying a, a vintage explorer i want to know that this person used this watch and you're not going to wear a leather strap in sub-saharan africa you're gonna wear a bracelet. So it, when it comes to the Explorer, the original intention—it's called the Explorer. You're gonna put it on on a bracelet because it's an Explorer. I'm not saying you don't you don't buy leathers for it and you don't buy materials for it. I think I think both those watches look fantastic on textured straps. But my argument, or to support the other side, to play devil's advocate here, they also both look fantastic on bracelets. That's it. And it might be a little bit more in tune with what the watches were created for on a track. You're not, you're wearing a bracelet. That's it. If you're, if you have a speedy and you're wearing it to a race day or something, you're, you're it's on a bracelet. No. Nope. Okay. Tell that to every picture of every race car driver, ever wearing a speedy yeah, in well, the seventies when, when wearing a speedy was an actual tool. See, that's, <coughs> that's the thing. The, the idea that these watches can be put on leather straps is that they're no longer tools anymore. When um, actually, I know we're going on a little bit of a tangent here, but I did want to speak about this. Hodinki just also did a video interviewing Mario Andretti. I don't know if you saw it. Yep, um, I
1: briefly watched it.
0: You know, not that I think Mario Andretti is the base, the best race car driver ever. I think that he's one of the most famous race car drivers ever, and he definitely marketed himself well. However, if you look at his watch collection. They are murked. Every one of his watches is scratched to hell. I like that. It is cool because you know Look, that he
1: used it. What did I say the other day when we were with our friend Patrick, and then he showed us his Navitimer.
0: Oh, and there were there were there were uh, scrapes on on the sapphire. Yeah. Okay, but I mean, like, yeah, uh, he's essentially he wearing...
1: Mario Andretti. Uh, yeah, exactly. No, it just shows that it's getting worn. It's yes, been used. Yes. And it's not been sitting inside. Uh, collecting a castle, dust. collecting dust. Yeah, a castle. I don't know. When an I think Harvard of people, fortress. people that don't wear expensive watches, they live in castles. Yeah.
0: I, I also, I but I also think if you have an expensive watch and you don't wear it, obviously you have your own personal reasons for doing so. Um, you know, maybe, maybe you maybe, shouldn't have bought that watch. But at the same time, and and this is, I'm agreeing with you here. I used to think that this Hamilton I'm wearing now was too expensive to wear to occasions. Your your opinion of things changes over time. Your idea of what expensive is changes over time. But beyond that, it's not, I don't think this is a cheap watch by any means, but I know that it's more worthwhile to wear it out and to experience the watch than it is to keep it tucked away in its box. And that the same would go for Rolex, for, uh, for an Omega, for, for watches that are common to people that they buy as milestone watches and then maybe don't wear as often. See, <laughs> Sorry, excuse me. I'm getting um, I'm
1: getting a little bit of coughing, caught a little coughing fit here too. Yeah, go ahead. Um, you mentioned John Mayer, and I think I've mentioned this what he said before. Mm-hmm. Um, th- he was always afraid to buy Paddocks because mm-hmm. um, he thought they were all these really expensive watches. You can't, <coughs> excuse me. Mm-hmm. You can't wear them. And then one day he realized, why am I not wearing these watches? I'm gonna go buy one, and I'm gonna wear my Paddock to go pick up my dog's shit why not sure i think that's a little bit of a stretch but i but it's in it's in the right it, spirit yeah it's the same thing yeah so well, why not wear it yeah what's the difference But people part, wore these things from, as tools back in the day exactly yeah yeah, yeah. thing I mean, is is prices are so inflated now where people buy them they're like well i'm not gonna wear my it's a dollar daytona it's a
0: bad time to be a watch enthusiast uh i mean especially if you're if you're enamored by Rolexes and Omegas, unfortunately, Hodinkee, while trying to, because Hodinkee is by far the most famous uh, of watch watch aficionado yeah, yeah. blog, I've been time lapse, of course. Uh, but unfortunately, Hodinkee trying to to cover watches and and bring enthusiasm back to watch making, collecting, ownership, everything. They've also ignited the like the the monster of of greed mm-hmm. that that is behind selling watches so it's like a it's a bit of a, a bittersweet thing yeah people are getting into them i think hell Hodinky played a big part in my own yep. uh you know re reigniting my interest in watches because they put out great content but everyone else has seen that as well and so it's driving up the price of, of mechanical timepieces because more people want them so it's uh it's bittersweet Good news is though that the market is also flooded with value proposition watches and I think that's where my interest always comes from is that it's my money now I got to I want to spend it but I, on a nice mechanical piece but I want to get bang for my buck you
1: know which so. is a reasonable yeah of thing course. to
0: think of course yeah so should we end it on that note Mikey what do you think if we uh I think so if we beat this horse I hate that. I love you, it because I know it. you hate it. When you say that. Yeah, I know. But, yeah, what do you think? Wrap this one
1: up? I don't
0: care, Anthony. Wow, really? Hey, is some, some sass. You've upset me. Some sass from you. I'm not upsetting you. That chicken swore you upsetting you. I'm going to
1: sell everything I have, buy every <laughs> Rolex, and buy every strap in the world. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Whoa. Is that a dog? That's a
1: dog. Let's wrap this
0: one up. All right. Thank yeah. you, guys, for listening. Uh, we really appreciate it. Hopefully, you enjoyed our little Friday
1: show. And uh, have, a, have a good one. Oh, yeah. And, well, Mikey, you forgot your spiel. Where can they there follow is a us? dog in the background barking. Follow, us on, follow us on Instagram, at Timelapse Podcast. Follow us, follow us on iTunes. This <laughs> <Duh. laughs> <laughs> <laughs> We went the whole time. <laughs> right in the in the outro. You can find barking. us on iTunes. Uh, just search Time Podcast, SoundCloud Time Podcast, Google Play Music Time lapse Podcast. Um, Instagram and Twitter at Time Podcast. Everything's Time Podcast. Everything's Time Labs Podcast. Yeah, that's, you you know where right to find it, us. If true. you're listening, you know where to find us. Exactly. Tell your friends, tell your family, tell your dogs. Everyone's <laughs> on the listen. Thank you guys for listening. We'll catch you next week.